The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Jim Cramer uh, coming to you live from separate locations this morning. Coming off that 7% rally and futures build as optimism about flattening the curve now goes into a second day. More talk of another round of congressional stimulus. Oil up about uh, 2% as we await the OPEC Plus meeting and Exxon slashes CapEx about 30%. Uh, Jim, uh, Mnuchin and Kudlow on the tape this morning saying the White House looking to reopen the economy as soon as health experts give the green light. Uh, but that's going to be met with some skepticism today. Well, look, I, I've got to hand it to them in terms of trying to make it so that there's enough money for small, medium-sized business to get open. They're doing it. I mean, there absolutely is no limit to what they'll give. And I think that the community banks, no limit to what they'll lend. I really like that. The other side, though, is the customer. And we've got to find a way for the customer to feel confident. I know I will feel confident when I see everybody else wearing a green band like me, which says I've been tested and I'm good. Uh, red band means, hey, listen, I don't have it. It's tougher, to, it's tougher to get into a nightclub than it is to be able to get into a store. I want to be sure the person next to me is not going to give me uh, COVID. I want to be sure the person who works at the store is wearing a mask. I don't hear any of these things yet, but the money's there, and the money is a key component so that when the customer does come back, there'll be some doors that are open. Is there any way, I mean, Jim, this J.P. Morgan note uh, from yesterday, uh, we see a reopening, a limited reopening of the economy in one to two weeks. They believe we've already hit uh, peak hospitalization. We're going to hit peak death in about a week. Is there a way to do that before this license to work is created? Yeah, I, I read that piece and I said, well, you know what, that's that person's. Uh, impression of what life is like in America. And that's a very bullish impression. That's an impression that just says, ignore what people say about the uh, seven days ago about the Elmhurst Hospital and ignore that there's not enough PPE and ignore that we had one 747 from Benioff come in uh, and, and there isn't a lot of stuff beside that. And I want more. I want uh, Abbott Labs just started uh, the, the test, just started. I mean, you know, can we wait a couple of weeks to see uh, how many people really have this? I love the optimism of that piece, but I'm not going out. I'm not going out and I'm not going to see my wife and I'm not going to see the kids because I don't feel confident. I'm so glad that fellow feels confident. I bet it's a younger person, doesn't have kids, doesn't doesn't re realize the danger of seeing your kids because they, by the way, are they're immune and having a great time. So I love the optimism. I don't share. 
Yeah, you know, um, Jim and Carl, it's funny. There's a dissonance that I hear during the course of the day after the show uh, when, you know, I'm just making phone calls. And it's between those who run businesses uh, and the optimism reflected in the stock market. Right. Not to say that the market won't end up being right, uh, Jim, and I'm sure you hear this as well. But, you know, even if we do go back to work, it is not as though and people will maybe be getting back in their cars. So there will be increased demand, at least for oil, for example. But they're not going to be going to lunch. They're not going to be getting on planes. They're not going to be going to conferences. They're not going to be going out for drinks after. They're not going to go to restaurants. They're not going to go to concerts. Maybe they'll go to the office and come back again if the conditions that you just pointed uh, that you sort of talked about are met. But again, the optimism reflected in the stock market right now over these last few days is not what I'm hearing, at least from those who run businesses, given their expectations for how long it's going to take to get this economy really back to a level of activity that we once saw. But, but David, if you knew that there was a, when you came out on the corner of the, uh, uh, of your apartment, there would be a test and you could find out whether you um, the fact that maybe you have a cold or whether you have COVID. Wouldn't you feel like, right. you know what, today's going to be a decent day? Yes. That's what I. Yes. Would. And I think we've talked about that. And many people who are writing about what it's going to take to reopen the economy in a real way. Talk about ubiquitous testing the way you are yeah. and antivirals that are immediately available for anybody who tests positive. But I don't know when that is, Jim. Uh, you know, is that the summer? Is it in the fall? Are we going to hopefully get past the peak very soon uh, and see a very much lower level uh, uh, of infection only to see sort of occasional blips up? I don't know. Well, look, Olive Garden, which is Darden, it's up at almost 10 percent today. And I say to myself, was Olive Garden oversold because we're further along in terms of covid or do people think that, you know what, it's back. I'm back in business. Now, you wait in line to get into an Olive Garden, maybe not this weekend, but you wait in line. Well, I may be waiting in line with people whom I don't have six feet of distance with. I get in, the tables are too close. I, and I say to myself, you know what, I, I don't want to risk it. I think America doesn't want to risk it. At the same time, I recognize the stock market. And by way, David, you saw how much money Carnival is able to raise in, in, in the debt market, yes. even though they've got a, a criminal indictment in Australia. You saw that Slack came in, they're the enemy of, the, of Microsoft, and was one at 600. They give them 750 million. So, I mean, there is a happy days are here again Wall Street impression versus what I hear about people saying, can I get a mask? How do I get a mask? Do I want to end 95? And I look, I like it. I love optimism. And I know Larry Kudlow is on. He loves optimism. But I don't like getting sick. <laughs> I don't want to get sick. Dave. I don't, Carl, I don't want to be sick. I mean, to me, that's better get... than right, that so... unlimited rolls that but... you get at Olive Garden. Unlimited. But, Jim, Unlimited. to the degree that to the degree that businesses can adjust and find some middle ground. Kroger is a great example yesterday where they are now going to limit foot traffic to 50% of international building code capacity. They're talking about directional aisles where you only go one way down an aisle. There's no one coming at you the other way. I mean, we're beginning to see business try to figure out at least early versions mm -hmm. of a solution. Right, but you know, we had the Labor Department secretary on. I mean, I want OSHA to say before any of these people go to work, the associates go to work, we, we got to take your temperature and, and you got to wear a mask. Uh, I won't mention the, the grocery store that I go to, but someone did have COVID. And I'm thinking, 
Well, you know what? Uh, um, boy, I'm glad I stocked up. And, and the only thing that I found that is really positive was that uh, Samsung says profit to top expectations. The only top expectations. See, this is an earning story. This is not a story about how America feels. And by the way, can we just go back to Thursday when we were all thinking about why aren't there more ventilators? And now here we're thinking about, you know what? I cannot wait to take a Southwest Air to Houston. I, I, I can wait. I, my daughter's in Spain. Uh, would I love to see her? Yeah, but you see, she has to go to an airport and then another airport and then our airport. Well, you know what? I mean, that could be a death sentence for all I know. So when do we get to that point, Jim? I, listen, to your, it's, it's well taken on your point, which is things have gotten better conceivably, and we are now at least talking about a reopening in a way we weren't even a few days ago because – we're hoping the peak has been hit in places right. like New York and perhaps through the rest of the country. Obviously, depends on region. But again, to this point, you know, Janet Yellen talked about it yesterday. Richard Fisher talked about it the other day on our air as well. I mean, and a lot of the CEOs that I speak to, they're looking more for a U. They're certainly preparing more for the long U as opposed to the V. Look, I, I think you get the V when Regeneron announces they've got an antiviral and we can get the Abbott test uh, that is the one that is the home pregnancy test, so to speak. That was their term. I don't want to be criticized. The uh, home pregnancy like test, OK, which tells us if we have COVID, uh, coupled with the fact that we saw what happens in China, which it can slowly open for business, would make it seem like some of the prices are too low. But there are businesses that are, I, I don't think are going to come back immediately. I had the CEO of, of uh, Zoom on this night, uh, and I know Eric Yuan is under a lot of pressure because his servers are in China. And, and David, you often talk about you don't want to take your cell phone to China. Well, the servers in China, it, it, it's kind of a no. But you know, the, the, the cocktail party, I don't know. It wasn't so bad, but the work at home. I mean, geez, you know what? If I were, if everything were better, I would say, you know what, guys, if you need to come in, you can come in, but continue to work at home. Work at home, I mean, maybe when you work at home, you might go to Home Depot and paint the place. But I, I think some of our strat, uh, some of the way we live is changing right now. And, and Carl, I don't know whether you feel like it, but I, I kind of don't want to see as many people. I talk about contact. Like, if I go to this place, I might have too much contact. I went and got a bagel today, a pumpernickel bagel, and I'm like, you know, some guy's like four feet from me. He's four feet. Yeah, the, I mean, the, we, we've, look, we've taken... Partner. We've taken the number of daily social contacts from what, Dave, uh, Jim and David, in the old days, we would probably... Come in contact with 100 people, 50 people. That's gone. It's gone to zero, maybe one oh, or two. I Jim, you mentioned five. Zoom. <clears throat> uh, yeah, you mentioned Zoom, which has had a crazy week. Uh, bans by SpaceX, New York City schools. Today, it's the Taiwan government. Uh, the downgrade from Credit Suisse. And Jim did talk to the CEO last night on Mad Money. We need to work together with the first-time users. We already enforced security settings. Enable your password, waiting room. Don't share your meeting invite, invitation link to others. And after you are in the meeting, lock the meeting. And we have a lot of features built in, right? As long as, you know, we kind of go further step in front of those security settings. Plus, any user learn a little bit more about our best practice. Well, Jim, he's been pretty candid about the mistake he made. Boy, I, look, Eric is, uh, if anything, a guy who... Uh, 
has tried very much to cope and done a decent job. When you go from 10 million users to 200 million users in a year, uh, there was a moment in the interview. Look, I'm very pro-Zoom, and I think it's fantastic for all of us to be able to hang out with each other. But there was a moment where he compared his product to WebEx from Cisco. Now, WebEx from Cisco is a product that is so secure, they would never think of having their servers in China. And if you play the continued tape, Eric at one point says, uh, yeah, you know what, we don't, uh, we're not as secure, basically, as Cisco. Now, he worked at Cisco, and he's been around for a long time. So I think that if you're a bank or you're the Taiwan government, and Taiwan obviously not that uh, pro-China, but if you're a bank and you're using Zoom, well, I, you know, you're, I hope you're using Zoom so you can play take two games against each other. Because if you're actually using Zoom with my account, well, I'm taking my account away from someone who uses Zoom and bring it to someone who uses Cisco. And by the way, there's a lot that's happening just like that behind the scenes because I got that yesterday. Yeah, uh, there are any number of people actually who are just happy to have a conference call again and perhaps not using Zoom as much as they had been. Right. In terms of at least work-related work-related things right now, Jim, um, this whole work-life balance and where we're going to be when this ends in terms of work continues to be something I hear about. I'm sure as well that you do too. How many people really will continue to work from home? Right. Will there be a reduction in office space, uh, perhaps pursued by some companies as a result of having a certain percentage of their workforce at home? Unclear where that all plays out because on the other side of it, you've got well. How many 25-year-olds really want to be staying home in their one-bedroom apartment or wherever they may be? They'd like to be out. They'd like to be at the office. Right. Uh, and at the same time, the point you made, are we going to now have office space that requires more space between employees as so. opposed to everybody being congregated very closely? Uh, I got a 17-table <laughs> restaurant in Brooklyn, so I'm capable of really serving three solid people. Well, that's going to be a real loser. <laughs> Three people. And what do I serve? Corona. <laughs> what a, Until we get a vaccine. Yeah, what which a has you know, optimal Which has in, in, inflationary. You know, if, if, uh, if a concert can only sell out every third seat, uh, uh. the ticket price probably is going up. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the years to come as well. Guys, we'll take a, we'll take a quick, quick break. A lot to get to, including... Uh, what to do tactically with this market over the past couple of days as we go into the OPEC Plus meeting. Russia, Saudi, according to more headlines today, uh, getting closer and closer to a production deal. A lot more when Squawk on the Street continues in just a moment. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time for a mad dash. I'm going to send it back over to Jim. You want to talk a bit about Constellation Brands this morning, Jim? Yeah, one of the things we're forgetting, David, is we could be in a recession. Remember that? When we see the green board, it might be a recession. Well, what do people do in a recession? They drink beer. Now, what do they do in particular? They actually drink beer at home. 85 to 90% of the beer that Constellation, and here it is, Corona, Modelo, uh, Pacifico, which sells really well. These are all being uh, drank at home. It's, they're, they're, there's a lot of sales. And they also have uh, Spike Seltzer coming this uh, summer. And they, remember, they own this big stake in Canopy. Uh, it's really the last 
last man standing when it comes to uh, to cannabis. Yet UBS goes hold the buy today. I, I had them on last week, and I've got to tell you, uh, Bill Newlands, he tells a great story. So if you're looking for a stock that's actually at home where you've got a potential recession built in, I would buy this one. And I would remember that as you buy all the airlines, they're not flying with customers. If you buy all the cruise ships, they're not even going. But how about something where we actually might have up earnings? I think we're about to be in earnings season and you want to be in something that's going to have good numbers. All right. Uh, Yeah, we should talk more about uh, that after the break in terms of people consuming more beer and wine and alcohol at home and getting high more than they do when they go out. David, I don't know. What are you, uh, but for now, we're going, to take a quick, <laughs> now we're going to take a quick break, Jim. We do have some news this morning from AT&T, from ExxonMobil. Want to get to both of those uh, as well after the break. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. There have only been about uh, 30-some-odd rallies like the one we saw yesterday, 7% plus on the S&P, and we're adding more today as optimism continues about bending the COVID-19 curve around the world. More Squawk on the Street continues in the opening bell in 10 minutes. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Want to keep an eye on shares of ExxonMobil this morning. The company comes out uh, and says it will be cutting its capital spending for what is left of 2020 by 30 percent, lowering its cash operating expenses by 15 percent. This, of course, in response to the dramatic drop in demand uh, for oil overall. Capital investments for 2020 had been at $33 billion, now expected to be about $23 billion. And uh, guys, you know, the focus is, well, they can toggle, so to speak, the shorter cycle business, which is really the Permian where you can turn it on and turn it off and come back to it in a, in a more rapid way. The longer term international projects, uh, LNG projects, these mega capital projects as well, those sort of take a lot longer to get going again when you kind of cut them off. So, um, you know, the official cap, uh, the efficient capital management that an Exxon is looking like, uh, for is really uh, allowed them by turning the Permian off a bit. And they do talk about the long-term fundamentals uh, have not changed. But the short-term fundamentals, well, you know what we're building inventories at, Jim. It's just shocking. 
I'm looking at numbers here that say the gasoline supplied number from last week was the lowest since 1994. Uh, DOE uh, stats show, and we're building now at 30 million barrels a day. We're building stocks. Well, I was talking to Rusty Brazil from RBN. You're talking about you know three million a day coming from the. Western Canadian sands. I mean, you can't shut that down, apparently. It's just got to keep pumping. There's a lot of things you just can't stop, some of the longer-term projects. You know, I come back and say, Becky asked the pressing question about the dividend, uh, which they want to protect. Maybe you cut back CapEx to be able to do dividend. But what I am seeing here in this industry is uh, everyone really fighting to not declare bankruptcy. You had Whiting go. I mean, I, I look at Chesapeake every day, and Chesapeake's just kind of out there. And I look at all these 13 to 20 percent dealers for the masculine partnerships, and I say, well, guys, I mean, it, let's be sensible. Why are you giving away so much? Uh, then I look at ET, uh, which is not phoning home by any means. And that, that is a stock that you have to watch because that was the Wild West car. I mean, they thought that everything was terrific, energy right. transfer. And it's not terrific. So I'm waiting for the other seven or eight shoes to drop in this industry because there's really not a lot of demand for what they produce. And you know, you know, I'm not saying they're Macy's where uh, this, the CFO left and it looks quite uh, ill-advised to be there. But I am saying that there's, uh, there's an industry here that is so, so – there's just way too many players – Private equity on the sidelines. And if you buy these stocks, you're just buying, you're hoping that, well, geez, tomorrow's going to be good, too. And um, I don't like to buy on that theory. Yeah, Jim, your, your point about uh, the Macy CFO, Paula Price, is going to leave as they leave uh, the S&P 500. But, yeah. you know, Yellen on our air yesterday with Sarah talking about how she believes the banks, at least, should start thinking about suspending dividends, that there's going to be a toll the longer this drags on. So which, which buckets do you think need, the, need to have the dividend least? Energy, banks, retail, all of the above? Well, I, I think that the energy players, they can keep cutting back uh, and uh, they keep cutting out the production, which I don't think really is going to help that much. But uh, to hold off, and they can borrow to pay the dividend. I think the retailers uh, showed that, that you, gee, you got a Coles. Their balance sheet isn't that bad. Uh, but, but I think that these companies, unfortunately, are way far away from the one season that matters for them, Christmas. And the banks, they've been adamant that they can pay the dividend. So I thought Janet Yellen uh, showed uh, to me uh, a strategy that I, I was I was unexpected that she would do that. I, I would have thought that she uh, would have had a, a little more um, uh, little been a little more circumspect. Uh, also, let's not forget, she was the person who made it so Wells Fargo can't make the loans. There's a lot of people in this country who are very upset about Wells Fargo. And uh, I wish she had said, you know what, they paid their dues, but she didn't. That was in error that she didn't. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point, Jim. We are getting some news from the uh, Department of Transportation regarding airlines and the minimum number of flights they can give. Phil LeBeau's got that for us. Phil? Hey, Carl, take a look at the airline stocks. Pre-market, they're all up between 10 and 15 percent. That's because the DOT has given final approval for the airlines to fly bare minimum schedules. And we've already seen, take American Airlines in New York City, going from 271 flights a day down to 13. Similar moves from their other competitors uh, in the New York City area. You'll see this across the board if they haven't already done that. So those rules are now locked in, at least through September, can be extended. And this comes a day after the TSA screened just 108,000 people at U.S. airports. Guys, that's down 95.5% 
compared to the same day a year ago. Guys, back to you. Jeez. Gosh. Uh, just otherworldly numbers, uh, Phil. And Jim, uh, we did get a couple comments from the International Air Transport Association seeing tentative signs of a pickup in China. The Wuhan lockdown's been going on for 77 days, and that lifts tomorrow. Uh, right. So we're going to really get a picture of just how many people are going to be able to come and go from that area. Well, it'll be interesting to see what China does in terms of uh, ordering planes from Boeing. We know that they put some some sub Rosa orders in, but uh, there is a uh, tremendous tension right now between China and the United States. And I know that the president was talking about how much grain is being bought from China. But we also know the Peter Navarro memo that's floating around and how hard it was to be able to get the mask and the PPP out of China. But I'd say that China's well ahead of, uh, of, of every country on Earth in terms of being able to be open for business. Wow, how great is that for them? Right. And I think that they need to place some Boeing orders if they're going to get the... Just like 3M placed some... Isn't it interesting 3M is sending some masks back here? I guess that was just a gesture of kindness. <laughs> yeah, $167 million, yeah. Uh, for the government over three months as they put, hopefully, that dispute uh, to rest. There's the opening bell, guys. Uh, Jim, you do mention uh, this reporting over the Navarro memo right. uh, to POTUS in late January. Uh, the Surgeon General's on Today Show this morning says he never saw it uh, from January 29th. He says there were preparations going on all the time. We've been saying for decades that this is a possibility. But the critics don't know what to make of Navarro now because he was, quote, dangerously hyping uh, chloroquine. And now he seems to be the one who was raising the alarm the most. Well, look, I, I think Peter Navarro has been very consistent. I was actually surprised that there was any brouhaha about this. I mean, he was worried about the about uh, COVID. Uh, he has been saying over and over again, let's not trust the Chinese. These are all the things that were quite prescient. And now it seems like somehow he's coming out as a bad guy. On the hydroxy, I don't know. I, I mean, I have friends who have lupus. And they were angry that I thought about getting the that I called my doctor to try to get this. Why did I try to get it? Well, I don't know. Oh, geez, everybody was telling you to get it in the Dude. White House. Yeah, but, you know, this hydroxychloroquine, I mean, when you speak to people who run these hospitals that are on the front lines, they're using it. They are using it. They right. have no idea whether it's working or not, frankly, because there's no protocol at this point that actually gives them a sample size of which they could really do a real study to Dr. Fauci's constant points. But it's being used now. Is it not being used at the right time? Is it having an effect? The fatality rate is the fatality rate that we've got right now. But don't ex don't think that it isn't being used. It is by many of these front line, the hospitals that are on the front lines. I know that I've spoken to a number of them. I've right. spoken to a number of the people who are aware of it. Um, but the problem is there's still so many unanswered questions when it comes to that particular therapy uh, and questions about when you start it and whether it even is efficacious. Uh, so. But you we know, all know friends who took it, David. I have friends who took it, and they got over very fast. And uh, I also know that there's cardiac arrhythmia issues, which would, you know, we get a cardiac arrhythmia issue, then th that's a side effect that they, you know, that's, that could be death very quickly if it was a new drug. I think the FDA would say, wait a second, we don't like this cardiac arrhythmia problem. But, yeah, they're using it. And, and look, I think it's become... Of the total battleground, because nobody wants the president to be ramming through a drug. At the same time, when I tried to get it, why did I try to get it? I don't, the president told you to get it. I think he must know something. But then Dr. Fauci says, maybe not get it. I mean, there really is a kind of a strange dynamic between Fauci and the president, don't you think? 
Well, Amen. Yeah, but I mean, you, you've been listening. You've been listening to Fauci, uh, which is probably good advice. Well, he's advice. more of a doctor you know, than the president. When it, you know, the life sciences industry overall, interestingly, seems to be fairly well situated for the current environment. Uh, obviously, as you said, the pharmaceutical industry is solely focused right now on COVID. The right. FDA is focused on it. Any trials going on, by the way, for other drugs, important to point out, <laughs> have been more or less scrapped. stopped in their tracks. Yeah. Uh, so if you are a small biotech company relying on something looking very positive to raise more capital, that becomes an issue. But at the same time, you know, uh, you can get your medicines. So that's actually one industry that has right. been uh, perhaps not as affected by the by the significant. Well, that's so important, Dave. You know, remember when the Chinese were going to supposedly make it so we couldn't get our medicines? It didn't happen. Yeah. But I, just to come back no. for the hydroxy, because I don't want to slight either the president, hate him or like him or, or found, I did kind of get get the drug. Uh, I tried to get it this weekend uh, because too many people I know have had good luck with it. And uh, I thought it was available. And then I got told by my pharmacist and my doctor, look, this is this is a real sacred medicine for people who are very sick. You're trying to stockpile. You're just trying to preserve it. But I think that the, the president, uh, th there's a point where there was a study in France. Now, I know it wasn't peer reviewed, but you know what? There are a lot of things that aren't peer reviewed that if you're thinking you're going to die, you give me a shot. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to rely well, on Look at Remdesivir is already what I hear. Remdesivir I don't think's working that well. That's my own. Uh, you you seemed disappointed well, yesterday uh, in Gilead. I mean just that yeah, you were expecting just hearing some uh, not great more, things. more firm information this week. I, I had thought that we would hear something at the beginning of April and I find that when you have these double blind studies or whatever and the news is really good you just break them and I know I'm not that bullish on Gilead. I'm much more bullish on Regeneron. And which is a monoclonal antibody designed in particular uh, against uh, COVID-19. I, I do feel that, by the way, that uh, I think we can beat COVID-19, which is why I can't be as bearish as I was at one point. But I also think that I'm not seeing anybody who's right on the cusp of it. You know, this market needs right. someone to come out in the next 10 days well, and, and, and have an antibody that makes it so that Boris Johnson's out of that hospital right now. That's going to be very tough to do, Jim, in 10 days. I mean, listen, I'm aware of, you know, my, uh, my friends at Ridgeback, for example, I had Wayne Holman on a few weeks ago. They're moving forward as quickly as they can, moving forward in the U.K. as quickly as they can, trying to get into human trials. But, I mean, right. it still takes time for these antivirals but the, I'm to actually at, prove themselves. I'm looking at a green wall. The green wall says that the Gilead drug works. I mean, you, know, you can't have these other than the semiconductors because Samsung did well. You can't have this kind of rally. If you it's particularly in retail, unless retail was completely wrong, unless all of the things that they said were wrong and Oliver Chen's unbelievable work at Cowan about debt covenants is wrong. You, you can't have this kind of rally unless there's something that we don't know about uh, an antibody. And I don't think I do a lot of work on the antibodies. I can't find it. And maybe the hydroxy is going to get approval by someone and we're all going to be on it. And it cuts the number. I, I look the president's out there every day saying it. I mean, it, he is out on a limb. No comment on that one. Yeah, Jim. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, S&P 2750, we hit briefly. Uh, last night, some technicians at Baycrest said 2700 is a key level if you look at volume at price, and it would be an attractive area to tactically sell into. Are you in Ooh. that camp? Um, I think we've moved up too much. Uh, we met with my ActionAlertsPlus.com club people this morning and said, you know what, we got to do some selling. That This is uh, overdone unless we knew something, uh, which we don't, about uh, 
uh, a major breakthrough because in the end, I still come back to the idea that while, you know, that on Thursday we thought the world was going to get, you know, hedge fund managers came on and I, I think they were doing the crocodile tier thing. And some hedge fund managers went to their, their uh, islands that we don't know about. And, and that actually happened, guys. Don't laugh. A lot of the hedge yeah. funds thought their <laughs> no, life, no, they, no, they were I heading mean, to the hills, man. They were like, I don't know why we're talking around their, it. Right? Yeah. They were yeah. headed to the hills. It was like the book on well, the movie on the beach. I mean, yeah. they found they got islands that we don't know about that are for COVID. They were like COVID islands. And, you know, the rest of us were kind of in They're our pandemic house. Islands. And, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Pandemic with, islands. With their own medical staffs and ventilators, too. Yeah. Pandemic no, no doubt about it. Wow, that's good, David. Yeah. How'd you come up with that? Thank you. Thank no, you. No problem. I mean, that's what I, happens you when know, you're at home. To me, if you were here, you wouldn't come up with something like yeah. that. Pandemic Islands. <laughs> I don't know. My daughter sent me a sandwich last weekend by Uber Eats. I thought that was dynamite. But these guys got, I think these houses are stocked. And don't forget, the AR-15s. Don't forget. That's what they have. You see that? There's a lot of that. A you know, of, yeah, every one of us of knows the, that this is the case. But we don't want to admit it because it's just, it's going to hurt us on our Zoom cocktail party this Saturday. Well, you were overserved last time. You probably get overserved over- again. Thank you for getting that joke. Yeah. I thought it was like my best joke ever that I was overserved. It was really a, funny. You know, Eric, you want Eric? You got it. He thought that was funny. Hey, listen, it's okay to hey, make Jim, a you, couple of gallows humor jokes, guys. You have you. You know, every so often you hit them. You really thank do. you. And the, the, David, the, the yeah, no jacket with yeah. tie thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mad money. Okay. I'm going back and forth. I'm going jacket, no time. Going sweater. <laughs> I'm going tie. I'm not going full Quintanilla though. Like you know, I'm in the office. Carl I figure, well, you know, we got to well, mix it up. Because he looks great. He's, he always when, looks great. I always best. say, guys, when I you're wish talking I could about people's person, money, you wear thing. a tie. That's, I agree. that's our general rule. But how about, you know, let's not forget. What is it? The <laughs> pandemic islands, David? Where are they located? The Seychelles? Where are the pandemic islands? Wait, wait, wait. You can't tell. You can't tell anybody. That would defeat the purpose of having the pandemic island. The you, pandemic island has to you, stay you, silent, you, quiet. You are so right, man. They are just those islands. Yeah. Can you leave um, a plane? Guys, hey, to get got, back uh, to, who got that to get fella, back to that fellow's island, the guy who had all that trouble we forgot about. You know, I wanted to. I, hey, guys, actually, you know, guys, we had, I, I know Carl wanted to talk. Yeah, go what? ahead, Carl. Sorry. Firefest? Yeah, you know, I was going to say, let's just, uh, we mentioned 3M and this deal to make masks for the government over the next three months, but uh, the president did talk about this yesterday. You want to take a quick listen? Oh, yeah. Because of my actions under the DPA, I can also announce today that we have reached an agreement, very amicable agreement with 3M for the delivery of an additional 55.5 million high-quality face masks face masks each month so that we're going to be getting over the next couple of months 166.5 million masks for our frontline healthcare workers so the 3m saga ends very happily yeah saga saga so that's a yeah. far cry from accusations of pr- uh, piracy jim Oh, well, good. I mean, he, I think he even said that he, he loved Mike. 
uh, uh, Mike Roman. And uh, this was an unbelievable saga because it's obvious that, like Medtronic, 3M had some orders. We didn't know what some people are saying that they were told they couldn't even sell. The Chinese wouldn't let the stuff out. But uh, it's so great that they're back together because I, I guess a few days ago, I thought that Mike was going to get some Justice Department scrutiny to uh, do something that David often alludes to with is the PFAS destruction of groundwater that uh, some people are unhappy with. Yes. Well, that, we may come back to the day where we're talking a lot about that with regard to um, um, 3M, Jim. But for yeah. now, it's about masks. They did come out aggressively against the president, against Peter Navarro in right. terms of rebutting what they said, what, what they said 3M had been doing. And they do reach an amicable agreement, obviously, which most important of which is they're going to be getting a lot more face masks to a lot more of that frontline personnel that need it, particularly as the rest of the country needs some sort of mask as well. So that supply is going to go to the uh, to the professionals my, who are actually my, dealing my, um, every day with that. Uh, I'll this. give a little heads up to the people who make gowns. You're going to get the Navarro call or maybe the president. But in the end, it ends amicable. Right. It's very amicable. Yeah. You know, we're trying to find a situation where someone lived with someone for a long time and it was the Never mind. Um, I do think that the 3M situation is emblematic of where are the Chinese and are they helping us or are they working against us? And we still don't know. And I think that the Chinese are uniquely well ahead of us. And I'm sure that some of us could argue that they just became a greater power than we are because they're open for business. yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was hearing that last week as well, uh, that they are, they are coming out of this crisis sooner while the rest of the Western world is still suffering. Our economies obviously are in a very difficult position. And it will be interesting to see whether the Chinese are able to actually benefit in a yeah. strange way from this crisis, from this health crisis to the point you're making by having their economy be in a much stronger position, let's call it even at the beginning of 2021, than the U.S. or the rest of the Western world. Right. Uh, perhaps something we did not see when this began, of course, in Wuhan. Well, don't we find it amazing that outside of the cordoned off area of Wuhan, how incredible the rest of China was seemingly ready and that the Wuhan area, maybe that got, say, sacrificed or triaged and the rest of China, they decided to make it so that that was where real business is going to be done. While in the United States, we're afraid to go to Olive Garden. Just yeah, crazy. you see these Denny's comps just coming out uh, how, just now, How much Jim. plus? Uh, they used it with Denny's, the Grand Slam yeah. there. Uh, system-wide in March, uh, down 19. Down 19. Um, reflecting COVID-19, and obviously that's with reduced hours and delivery-only options. Uh, we'll talk about restaurants more in a minute. And, and, and to AT&T, which David's up. got. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get to Bob Asani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. This is a second day in a row we've had a gap up in the S&P 500. Do you know we're up almost 10% this week? This week. It's only the second day of the week overall here. Uh, 20% off the lows. A lot of debates about whether we're in a new bull market. People arguing about that. Let's just take a look at where we're at here. I think the important thing is there's two things moving the markets. 
obviously the most important one is the hopes that we're approaching some kind of peak outbreak here in the United States. But I think uh, people should pay close attention to this massive wave of new stimulus programs that are being talked about over in Japan, over in the Eurozone, and even here in the United States. So just take a look at the global markets. We have essentially a 2% rally, a lot better here, but 2% rally over there. Hang Seng's up 2%. Japan, they are talking about stimulus there that would be 20% of GDP. We're, we've done 10%. They're talking about 20% of GDP. That's more to come in addition to what they've already done. Europe uh, up 2%, the stock 600. They're talking about a half trillion dollar euro stimulus plan. They're going to be debating that in the next few days. So the travel stocks, the autos, they're all flying up 5 or 6%. So the stimulus programs that are coming is another overlay on top of hopes where we're perhaps, perhaps bottoming here. You can see a lot better than 2% rallies here in the United States. Bank stocks have had a great week. The retailers are just flying. Some of these stocks are moving, oh, 50% or so. Acina's probably up 50% so far this week. But you can see how small that stock is. But Nordstrom, Chico's, Gap, all flying uh, today here. Uh, a lot of debate about uh, how we have bounced off of the lows. So uh, remember what happened uh, on the March 23rd lows here. From those lows, from the 52-week lows, uh, energy is up 40%. Utilities are up 28%. Industrials up. REITs are up. Consumer staples are the ones that are actually lagging. We have noted how the names like the Kroger's of the world and the Campbell Soups uh, are, uh, have been down the last few days or flattish. Uh, so that's a big change here. And the, uh, you can see the complete flip-flop of how things are going. The big debate on the street is what, where are we in here? I, I, I call it the markets in the middle, but this is what we had. We had a bull market on February 19th. That was the peak, the historic high. Then we went to a bear market on the bottom on March 23rd. We were down almost 35% in the S&P 500. And now where are we? What, what is this? Is this a bull market? Because we are 20% off the lows. So I mentioned this yesterday. Of course, I got a lot of snarky remarks. Bob, it's three hours old. You can't call it a bull market. It's ridiculous. But nobody ever invented these rules. These 10 and 20% uh, correction and bull market and bear market rules were created over the last 30 years. And uh, the fact is we are 20% off the lows. So I don't know. Probably it's too early to call it a bull market. Let's call it the markets in the middle for the time being. But this is a one enormous, powerful rally, just like the enormous, powerful bear market we experienced that took three weeks to get through. Guys, back to you. Bob, thank you. Uh, Bob Asani, of course, talking about, yeah, this incredible move and with the S&P up almost 3% this morning. Guys, did want to get to AT&T, uh, which came out as well with a long press release this morning focused on its strong cast position or what it says, of course, is its strong cast position and balance sheet and attractive, strong balance sheet and attractive liquidity. Uh, as you guys well know, of course, these are the days in which you're very much focused if you're a company on your balance sheet, on your liquidity on what your leverage is, on maintaining flexibility. AT&T does borrow a $5.5 billion from uh, 12 banks to provide what it's saying uh, is additional financial flexibility to what is already, it says, a strong cash position. It does have a $15 billion revolver that it has not yet tapped. Its commercial paper continues to, uh, to be out there with, uh, without problem as well. Um, but it was interesting that they went into such levels of detail here. The dividend remains... Listen, the company itself, given Warner Media, I mean, you've got Turner Broadcasting there, right? Think about the NCAA, other sports that they're paying for that they're not getting right now. That's another story, perhaps, for so many of those networks. Um, they've got a movie studio that's not producing anything at the moment, of course, like so many others. At the same time, AT&T, Jim, 
The wireless side of the business, one would expect, is going fairly well. But uh, they did spend a lot of pages to tell us that they took a $5.5 billion loan. Yeah, David, I, I thought that was really astounding. It was right in conjunction with the $5.5 billion. Well, that didn't, I mean, look, if you're borrowing to pay, I don't know. I might come down with the Moffat Nathanson view. I, I wanted to go with the, the view that, that we were getting from Elliott Partners, that it's undervalued. But I didn't like that press release. It, it just it scared me. I know it's meant to reassure me, but it, it did. did the opposite. It's, yeah, it's, I, mean, yeah I, I don't know. I I've try, actually did try to make some calls to get a better understanding as to why they felt the need to sort of go into the levels of detail they did. Listen, we're going to hear from the company on April 22nd. That is when we're going to get... Uh, the earnings, uh, first quarter earnings from AT&T, obviously a lot more detail will be provided then. But they, again, did talk about, the, they did talk about their large cash position, their ability to generate cash, their dividend, all those things being safe in the context of taking $5.5 billion from $12 yeah, it, it, Hey, don't worry about the dividend. Oh, really? I didn't know I should be. <laughs> Uh, guys, let's check in with Rick Santelli. Uh, the 10-year yield uh, did hit about a one-week high. Morning, Rick. Yeah, actually, uh, Thursday the 26th was the last time we closed above 75 basis points uh, or 30 basis points for two years. So let's start there. Look at a two-day of two-year. We did touch 30. Haven't closed up there since one day shy of two weeks, but we have eased off a bit. At 30 basis points, we we're up four on the day. So now at 28 basis points, we're up three on the day, excuse me, two on the day. And if you look at two day of 10-year note yields at 75 basis points, haven't closed there, like I said, one day shy of two weeks, it's eased back. So we're up six basis points. Curve still steepening, steepening with higher rates, uh, lower price, higher rates. So the bear steepening is a good thing. I talked about that yesterday. And whether people like it or not, trying to handicap Health issues with market issues is never easy. I'll stick with the market side. It certainly seems like the second day of a risk-on day. All the components are lining up. I'm hearing stories that pension funds with this lower volatility environment are running for that train again, trying to kind of get where they're supposed to be on their guidelines and bogeys. That means buying. Now, if we look at a year-to-date of boon deals, this is fascinating. They're down at minus 33 basis points, okay? Where did they settle last year at minus 18 basis points? They're 15 basis points from unchanged, which is really underscores how our yields and Europe's yields have come closer. Why? Because they're box of goods and tricks and, and vapors and all the test tubes is in much worse shape than the U.S. is. The ECB can't do what our Fed is doing, and the notion of a euro bond still isn't quite within the grasp of Christine Lagarde and friends, so we need to monitor that very closely. The dollar index, wow, you talk about a risk-off signal, whether it's the bear steepeners on the fixed income side, whether it's what's going on with equities, or the drop in the dollar index, a rather large one, and most of that, of course, going to the euro side. Look at a two-day of euro versus the dollar. You know, yesterday we were under 108. Now it's back above 109. Uh, David, back to you. Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli uh, on the bond market. Of course, when it comes to the stock market, we've got an S&P up 2.8%. The NASDAQ comp, by the way, guys, only down 9.7% for the year. Banks very strong this morning, led by Citi, up almost 10%. We've got a lot more Squawk on the Street for you coming right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Having ex- just an, an, an extraordinarily thoughtful piece 
by Goldman today about investor feedback to their Boeing upgrade. Basically saying, listen, people are just way too negative about Boeing. They don't understand what, what could happen, how things are good here. But they list all the negatives. And I find this is the kind of thing, if more research firms were doing this like Goldman did, you would be able to say, you know what, I now have a reason to buy Boeing. And now I also recognize what could go wrong. It made me feel more confident for those who are buying Boeing that here's all the negatives. And if you're still confident, well, you know what? Then you must uh, be, be a believer that a lot of things are going to go right. The analyst clearly does believe, and he did recommend the stock when it was at 90. It was a great call. So I, I encourage more research firms to do exactly what Goldman today which did, which is to say, listen, here's what people are saying, and we're sticking by our upgrade. And I just thought it was very thoughtful in a period where I'm not seeing a lot of thought. Hmm. Jim, what is their reason to buy Boeing? Well, I think that you would have to believe that, yes, the uh, three, the 737 maxes have come online. People don't think that's going to happen, that the cash flows uh, is better than what people think, uh, that the federal government's actually going to be OK with them. Now, the federal government, remember, they're, they're reluctant to say anything bailout, and they're far more about trying to help the small and medium-sized business. But I read this. I, I have not been inclined to like Boeing. But they, the reason I, I didn't is because I cannot believe that the 737 max is still in the griddle. And because we don't have a lot of air traffic. But you know what? The more I think of China coming out of it and China wanting to be a world power, maybe China, well, they are a world power. Maybe China places a big order with Boeing for the rest of their planes uh, and, and something good happens here. Or maybe the, the FAA says, you know what? We're satisfied. And then the stock does have 50 to 100 points on it. Uh, fascinating, Jim. Uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, cross currents to read on that front. Uh, guys, let's reset on this Tuesday morning. Uh, welcome back to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber, Jim Kramer, and Sarah Eisen coming to you live from various locations on this day of a uh, second uh, rally on Wall Street. More optimism about uh, bending the global curve when it comes to COVID-19. More talk of congressional stimulus, perhaps a trillion or more. Relatively stable action once again, Sarah, in oil as we await uh, what we think could be a pivotal meeting of OPEC Plus on Thursday. Actually, Thursday is going to be busy between OPEC, between claims, and now we know Powell is going to make some uh, comments at Brookings. And I would just add to your list of positives that the market's focused on that key parts of the U.S. debt market are functioning again after the Fed has intervened in an extraordinary way, shoring up parts of the credit market, the muni debt market. We're even seeing some investment grade, you know, going to issue some debt. We're going to have to watch that because there could be degradation there as the Fed has not backstopped that market, at least yet, something we talked to Janet Yellen about. But that, but that is in the pile of good things happening, and that is continued stabilization in those key parts of the bond market. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.